Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons. We are so happy you could join us. Next, you will be hearing a message from Pastor Farrell Wilson. Brother Wilson is the pastor of the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. To learn more about the Lighthouse, visit their website at grenadachurch.com. Now, on to the message. 2 Samuel chapter 12, starting at verse 15. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him and to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself? We tell him the child is dead. But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. He said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he's dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. I want to preach to you a few moments about get up and get going. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We come to you in the name that's above all names, Jesus Christ. That name that every knee one day shall bow, Lord. Father, I'm asking for just a few moments that your presence would rest upon us. And God, that anointing would rest upon this congregation, not only to minister, but to hear and receive your word. Let it take root in our heart. May it bear much fruit ahead in the days to come. We ask it all in Jesus' name, and we say amen. Get up and get going. This passage is a great teacher about failures in our life. Uh, Keep an open mind this morning to the word of God, because there's not a single one of us in here that doesn't have failures from time to time. We all go through it. And if you say you don't, quit lying, because we all have failures at some point. Great King David here, he had engaged in some awful sins in this passage that I read you. Just before this, one night he was up on the king's roof, and he was looking around, and lo and behold, he saw a pretty lady taking a bath. Her name was Bathsheba. And he said, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh overcome him. And he sent word to Bathsheba, and she responded and come up. And they committed adultery that night. A while later, she reported back to King David and said, I'm going to have your child. King David was in a mess because she was married. That was the problem. And... Then he begins to cook up this scheme because she was married to one of the best soldiers he had, Uriah. And he said to himself, well, 
not enough time has passed yet and Uriah's here with me. He tried to get Uriah to go to his house and he told him, you've been doing a good job. You're working so hard. Just go home. Be with your wife tonight. And you can read between the lines there and he thought that would cover up the sin. And Uriah said, you've got Joab and all the troops out in tents and the ark of God is out in the tent and here I am with you and I wouldn't dare leave your gates. I wouldn't leave you unguarded, not the king. Then he tried again. In fact, he got Uriah drunk and tried to get him to go home. That didn't work. So finally, David knew that he was in trouble. And See, when you start covering up sin, you just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into trouble. So he finally sends Uriah, he cooked up this game, sent Uriah to the front line in battle, and he sent a letter with him to Joab. And this letter, he tells Joab to put Uriah in the hottest battle in the field. And when the battle starts, I want you to pull all the soldiers back from him and let him fall in battle. And that's what happened. And we look at this, you've got to understand these were some great sins before the Lord. He committed adultery. He bore false witness. There was deception and deceit and covering up the sin. And he was an accomplice to first degree murders, what he did. But yet, this is the one. This is the one that David, that God said was a man after his own heart. And through his bloodline would come King Jesus. How in the world could that be? Why would God use somebody like this? I, I don't have all the answers. I can't stand up here in the pulpit and tell you today, I'm going to give you all the answers to those questions. I don't have all the answers, but I do have some. We're very limited in our knowledge of God, meaning we're, we're finite humans. We can't understand everything about God. We know a little bit from what the Word of God uh, tells us, and we can study a lifetime, and if it's a tree that we pick fruit from, you'll ne never gather it all. But I do know some things, and I'm going to share what the Word of God says. And if you find yourself falling short of God's glory, one answer is in this story with David. When we walk through these valleys in life, when we have failed God, notice something David didn't do. He didn't quit. All these sins that happened, and here the child is born and it's sick. And you read in the Word of God where God, it, it almost appears like God made that child sick. And that's not the idea. When you get a good translation into our English, the idea is that God lifted his hand off the situation. Because see, whether you realize it or not, in your life, there's angels camped around you every day if you're a child of God. There's so much God protects us from, we, have, we don't have a clue as to all the things that God has protected us from. But God lifted his hands off the situation and the child is dying. And David's laid out on the floor for seven days fasting and crying out to God. Can you imagine the scene, this king here? I wouldn't doubt that would, I don't mean to sound comical or cute because that's not what I'm trying to do, but he was probably just laid out in rags, maybe his underwear, just laid out on the floor and crying out to God. You wouldn't, what you would see there that day didn't look like a king laying on the floor. And he's crying out to God, God, please, I'm asking to save this child. And he didn't have all the answers, but I... It, Notice in that passage, though, we see David after it's all over. David did not quit. 
So many Christians, when they get in trouble with the Lord, they fail the Lord, and they listen to people around them, they listen to the church, they quit, and they go home. They said, God will never have nothing to do with me. And the rotten churches, some of them are sitting there confirming that. That's right. You'll never be nothing. God doesn't want you. But King David knew different. Nothing is over until God says it's over. Not a thing in this world is over until God has spoken the word and said it's over. My friends, I, don't, I, I didn't really intend to say this, but I'll say it even the church. I don't care what kind of condition it is. I don't care what people are saying right now. We're still going to see one of the greatest moves of God we have ever seen in our lifetime. It's coming because nothing is over until God says it's over. When a Christian fails in this life, the world at large would love to convince you that this is it. You'll never amount to anything. Ministers, when they fail, the churches love to do the work of God. We have our committees and we have our bylaws and now we'll set out to punish. And we'll do the work of the Lord. I'm not saying the church doesn't have a duty to protect what's aside. We do. We, there's things we have to stop when we see it happening. We just have to. Or people, the devil would have a heyday in the church. He'd come here and he'd, he'd just mow it to the ground. Sure, God has people in the church that he's appointed over to watch after it. But when somebody fails and the punishment is due, it's not ours to hand out. It's not the job of other people to punish you when you have failed in sin. And sin always has a price, a price you can't afford. But you have to leave that price with God. We can never, as a Christian or a church, we can never ever say, well, you know what? Brother Wilson did this, this, and this, or Sister Wilson did this, and now they must be punished. That's not of God. And sin always crushes and bruises the child of God. Sin is never to be condoned, and I'm saying that for what I'm about to say. But our failure should never stop us. King David had failed worse than anybody that I, in my opinion, in the Bible, when I read it, is probably one of the greatest failures of the men of God that I see. I mean, King David, that's just about as low as you can go, the things that he pulled. I promise you, he couldn't get credentials in any major denomination in the United States. I guarantee you, I promise you, that if he filed for uh, credentials at any church, even 10 years after the incident, he would not get credentials in a Baptist church or a Church of God, Foursquare, Assemblies of God. They wouldn't allow it. How do you know? I know. I know what process you have to go through. And there's several things listed here. As soon as they found out, even the church today would say no. But look at King David lying on the floor. His spirit is crushed. And he cries out to the Lord to save this child from this sinful situation. I can just hear him. Lord, I've sinned against you. David said, even if I make my bed in hell, there you are with me, Lord. Lord, have mercy on this old sinner. And although David had failed, there's something he knew how to do. He knew how to cry out to God for mercy. And I promise you, I know this. I don't care how many times you failed. When you come before the Master's throne and you're crying out for mercy, there you will find mercy. There you will find grace from a thrice holy God. 
that loves you and cares about you and wants to do what is right. My friend, I'm not telling you sin's okay because it's not. But I am saying you have an advocate with the Father. I think we forget how powerful this grace is. Every human is going to fail. That's the bad news. But the great news is, I have somebody in heaven today. And his name is Jesus Christ. And God didn't make it complicated. He, by my childlike faith in what he's accomplished at Calvary, I have an advocate that stands there for me. And when I pray, I am forgiven if I ask for forgiveness. Because of the precious blood. The scripture says this. For failures. For people that have sinned, I can boldly, I can boldly, I can boldly come before his throne this morning and say, God, I have messed up. I have made a wreck of my life. I don't see any way out of this. And the answer from the Father is always, but I've got grace and mercy for you. There's forgiveness by the blood of Christ. And the neat thing is this. Anytime you ask for that grace and mercy, you're going to receive it. There's a lot of guarantees I can't give you in this life. I don't know if you're going to be healthy. I don't know if you're going to be wealthy. And with a lot of people, I don't know if they're going to be wise. I don't know all those things. But there are some things I can tell you this morning that are given from God. You can find grace and mercy with Him when you ask. You can find forgiveness of sin when you ask. It is available to you today. Don't listen to these rotten people that tell you you've messed up and that's the last time and you'll never amount to anything. You listen to what God has to say. And God says that I have grace and mercy for you available. And at that throne, you can find healing. I don't know if you're going to get it or not, but I do know this. In the day and age when we're in the middle of a pandemic, when we're in the middle of situations that the doctors don't know what to do, there is healing available. You can find blessings at that throne. I, I know the whole world is out there saying we're not going to make it and uh, the, the money ain't adding up and, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to have a place to stay. And most of them don't even believe or, or go to ask God to help them. And I'm not saying that things can't happen in my life, but I'm going to just be honest with you. For what I see in the church and myself during this pandemic, I have missed a lick. I mean, God has blessed me and blessed me, and we've always had. It seems like my cup just runs over all the time because God has kept his hand over our house and our property. Has it ever been tight? Sure, it's been tight sometimes, but he's blessed me over and over. My family's not up in the hospital. I, 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 ain't, I ain't lost a family member to COVID. And that doesn't mean you did something wrong if you've lost a family member or somebody. I'm not saying that. I am simply saying that if you keep at that throne of grace and mercy, there you'll find forgiveness. There you'll find healing. And you can start over. You can start your life over today. If you want things to be afresh and new, you don't have to go see a counselor. 
You don't have to get in some latest program. You don't have to go to celebrate recovery. I promise you, there's just one step in Calvary. There's not 12 steps. There's not 20 steps. There's not 40 days of doing this activity or that activity. You don't have to take communion every day. You don't have to listen to the preacher telling you all these rules and regulations of what to do every day in your life. Yes, the Word is good for edification. It's good for profit, uh, edifying the body of Christ and instruction. I get that. But there's only one place you need to go when you need something from God. You stop at Calvary. You ask for that blessing. You ask what you need of God. You have not because you ask not. Thank you for listening to Power of the Cross Radio. If you are enjoying the sermon you are hearing, we need your help. We do not sell any advertising on this station. You will not hear any third-party ads. This radio ministry operates by donations only. We are 100% listener supported. So, we need your prayers and financial gifts to keep bringing Christ and Him crucified to the world. Let God use you to keep power of the cross radio going around the globe. Go right now to www.cross.radio and click on how you can help. There you can donate a generous amount by secure means. All gifts are tax deductible. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you. Now, back to the message. Even from the beginning, though, David was not what the world wanted as a leader. If you back up and you read, I believe it's in chapter 11. I don't have it marked down. But one day, the prophet Samuel, he received a word from the Lord, and he said, I'm done with King Saul. I won't put another bit of time into him. And King Saul was... Uh, for Samuel, he wanted to see Saul succeed. Uh, But he told Samuel, he said, I want you to go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. And there you're going to find the person that I'm going to set as king. Remember, I'll say it again. The world doesn't pick what God wants. Samuel went. Now, think back a little bit, Bible students. If you go back a little bit, Israel got to pick their first king. They picked Saul. Why? Because Saul was a good-looking man, ladies. He walked in the room. He, he commanded his uh, kingship. I mean, when he walked in the room, there would be no doubt that he was a king. He looked like a king. He was the Brad Pitt of Israel. I mean, he, he walked in with his kingly garments on, good-looking man, had it all going on. All the ladies were wow. The men were like, man, he is a man. We, that's our king. And that's what the world wants. And God said, I'm done with him. You go over there to Jesse's house in Bethlehem. You know the place, Jesus. Okay. I want you to go to Bethlehem. And my king is there. And Samuel went to Jesse's house. And he went under the kind of the deception that we're going to kill. We're going to offer an offering tonight. And Jesse, why don't you get your seven boys? Or how many boys you got? He said, well, I got seven. He said, run them before me. I want to see them. And Jesse passed the seven sons before Samuel. And during this time, you read the Scripture, God's going, nope. One of them says he was a good-looking man. Had that look about him. God said, nope. I don't want him. In fact, in this passage, God would tell Samuel, I'm not like people. I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. There's your answer why David found all that grace and mercy. 
That's why the bloodline come through David. There's your answer why God said that this was a man after my own heart. Because God looks in the heart. You can fool me with anything. I could probably fool you with anything. That's just humans in us. We can't see down in the heart and what's down in there. I don't know what's in your heart. You don't know what's in mine. All we can go by is the outside. God knows. And God said this was a man after his own heart. But all the seven sons had passed by. And God said, that's not any of them. Samuel's confused. He said, well, Jesse, do you have another son? He had to think, I got one other one. And he's out in the field, a little old boy, taking care of the flock right now. Smelling like sheep, and it ain't a pleasant smell. And he runs him up in there. And this is David, who was a red-haired, good-looking boy. And he brings him up in there, and that's when God says, Stand up, Samuel. That's my man right there. You go anoint him with oil. That is my king. And the world says, Why? He doesn't look like a king. You know, the world looks at downtrodden Christians, and they say the same thing. Why would God even want to do anything for you? We look at preachers on stages and we pick out that Joel Osteen of the crowd. Well, look at him, boy. He's a good-looking man. Got the nice car, the quarter-million-dollar Lamborghini. Got a nice house. Surely God is blessing him when it's just the opposite. God chooses that person the world never would. Hmm. Think of that. Jesse and God's prophet had got it wrong. They were wrong the whole time. Didn't mean they didn't love the Lord. Didn't mean they wasn't following God, right? It means they didn't have the mind of the Lord. Huh. Those that love God, those that will follow after Him, there's something about them. There's one thing, they detest sin. I can't stand sin. They're the closest to God. That's why the world doesn't pick them. The Scripture says that that day, the Spirit of God was with David from that point on. He went on, he would kill lions with his bare hands. He killed a bear. One day he even took on a Philistine giant. And this giant come out on the battlefield, had all of Israel shaking in their boots, wouldn't even come out to fight. That Philistine giant would come out and taunt them day after day and try to get somebody to come out on the battlefield. And one day this little red-headed boy said, I've had enough. And they tried putting armor on him. He said, I don't need all that stuff. He said, I don't need a bit of it. Because he had the Spirit of the Lord upon him. He's just a little bit different. A child of God marches to a different beat. Friends, if you're marching to the tune of this world, you're not serving God the way you should. If you're in love with the things of this world, something's wrong. I say this because I want to encourage you today. If you seem a little odd or different to your friends out in the world, it doesn't seem like they want to take you in and bring them close to you. There's a reason why. They're not listening to the same music spiritually you are. You're marching to a different beat. You're going somewhere completely different from them. You're not going to the world to gain the things that are going to disappear in this world. You're looking for something different. You're like Abraham. You're looking for a, a place that's not made with human hands. You know there's something else out there. You can't quite see it all here on this earth, but you know it's there. But I failed. Well, so what? 
Again, I'm not condoning sin, but you get up and you keep going. We got too many Christians that have failed and preachers that tell them they'll never amount to nothing. I'm telling you today to keep going. They were all human. The difference is what we believe. Amen? When you believe in the right thing, when your faith is in the correct object, you have all of heaven at your disposal. You'll find forgiveness and the strength you need to keep going in this day and age. Laws, religions, programs in the world are only going to produce bondage in your life. If you fail and you go seeking some kind of method to overcome that, it's only going to worsen the situation. Because, well, I can't keep that law. I tried keeping the Ten Commandments. You're right. You can't keep them up under your own power. And that's why you feel so rotten down on the inside. But when the Holy Spirit... When the Spirit of the Lord is up on you, that dwells in you from salvation, then you understand how to live for God. And then the power that you need that's always been there starts revealing itself, and now you can keep those Ten Commandments and more. The church wants carnivals, not conviction. We need conviction in our day and age. And people look at it like a bad thing. Oh, I'm getting convicted of what you're saying, Brother Wilson. It's a good thing because you got a Heavenly Father, Brother Randy. Then we do wrong, he comes and says, we're doing wrong. Like my two little wildcats up under the pew this morning. Now, my wife could have let that go and said nothing, but she loves them. I don't know what she did, but I seen some arms swinging, and I seen a red face when she come up. So I know she did something there to correct them. And that's what you would expect her to do. You would, I mean, you got to temper how you respond to kids. You can't beat them down in the ground, but you've got to punish them. You've got to let them know where they did wrong, and you'll watch as they grow. I've had to whoop my, I look at both them boys. I remember times when they was kids, I whooped them. I whooped him. I whooped that one. And then it just becomes, come that point, I've done did all I can do. It's not because I hated them, because I tell you what, I think you can go to both my boys right now, me nowhere around, and they'll tell you my daddy loves me. Now, he may get on me, and he may act crazy sometimes. But he loves me, and I know that. And it's the same way with your father when he convicts you. Your heavenly father, when he says something is wrong in your life, and it convicts you, it ought to bring joy to the Christian. It ought to bring hope to you to know that there is a God in the universe there that thinks enough of you out of the, the billions of people that are on this earth today. Your father come down from heaven and spoke to your heart and said, that is not right in your life. But the world said, oh... That's, I don't want to be convicted. My friend, we need conviction. The church or the world wants pride without penance. Pride comes before a fall. You better think about what you're seeing in the world and all these movements and the names behind them and the very thing that's against God. The Bible says pride. Watch what comes next. Just hold that thought for a year or two and watch what happens. Hope without holiness. Everything I preach to you today... Yes, you got forgiveness with the Father, but you can't have any hope without holiness. What do I mean by that? You have to actually live this Christian life. You have to live it. You know, we say we're a Christian and we walk out that door and nothing's changed. That's not Christianity. I'm not telling you're unsaved, but I am telling you this. There's something that needs to change in your life. You need to change something. Every day of your Christian walk, as you grow with the Lord, there should be changes coming left and right. 
You should be drawing further and further and further from that world. You might slip up and get in the wrong direction, but my friends, you should always continually let the Holy Spirit be working on your behalf in your life. The church wants blessings in backsliding. God can't bless you in backsliding. You notice King David laying on that floor there. He didn't get the answer he was wanting. But you know, later on, after David realized what he had done, here comes King Solomon, his son, who would go on to build the temple. Yeah, there was problems in that man's life, but we won't look at that, but he still got a son that the Lord loved, is what the Scripture says. How did I get all this? How does all that come to me, Brother Wilson? It comes one way, one way only. Quit looking anywhere else. It comes this way. Your simple faith in Christ and His cross has gained you freedom. You have been set free. John 8 and 36 says, If the Son thereafter shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You've been set free today. All that bondage that the world has put on us and all this fear, all the sin, all these things that have so easily beset us and keep us from following after the Lord. The Scripture says, If the Son has made you free, you're free indeed. So why sit there and say it's over when you're in failure? Get up and get going. It's time to quit listening to all the doubt that I'm not going to make it. It's time to quit. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm worried I'm going to get the coronavirus. I don't know if you are or not, but you can't sit there at home and wallow in pity all day long and worry, oh, i got to get this. I can't even go out no more. Look, out of all people I heard, Larry the Cable Guy, I didn't know who it was. I didn't know that accent was fake. I thought it was really that country, but he's not. And I heard him on a talk show. When I was listening, I didn't know who it was. I seen on things said Larry the Cable Guy. But it was him talking. He's got just a normal voice. And he said, 90,000 people were in Nebraska at a football stadium. Not a single one of them, not a single one of them had a mask on. There was nobody saying nothing. But in that same city, they're breaking down on seven years old in the school, making them wear protective gear. What has that got to do with anything? It's got to do with this. People are living in such fear, and I'm going to say it, stupidity, and not believing in the Lord. I'm not telling you to do anything stupid. If you want to wear a mask and you think it protects you, go right ahead. I won't look at you any different. I wouldn't, I wouldn't shun you for no reason. But we got a world of church, but it turned right back around. Let me, here's where I'm going with it. We got a church world. There are churches still shut down right now. Because they're in fear. If you are that much in fear, it is sinful. And my message is the same to you today. It's a, it would be the same message as I would give to the drunkard, to the uh, drug addict, to the adulterer. To the fornicator, it'd be the same message. You have an advocate with the Father. You've got to trust Him and quit living in fear. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do about, about money. You have been set free. And if you'll follow after the Lord, if you'll trust Him, if you'll repent of that wayward life and follow after Him, you're free. Jesus has already paid for the freedoms. Why sit there and say it's over? Because it's not over. You have freedom and forgiveness from sin. 
That is the greatest need you have in your life. You have freedom from law. You don't have to please the Lord with how your activities are going about. Well, I, I attended church so much. Look, I'm so glad you're here this morning. I could just jump up and down and say, Woo! I'm glad everybody's here. I'm glad to see your smiling faces. But it didn't earn you anything with God. You're here because you love Him. I hope you come back tonight, 5 p.m., start our study in James. Be back. I, I'd love to see your smiling faces. But it doesn't earn you. You can do those rules and regulations, and it's not going to change the sin in your life. It's not going to change those things of drawing you closer to the Lord. Sure, you'll be edified. Sure, you'll get to fellowship with some people. Sure, there's positive things about it. Uh, I'd rather be in the church than I would in the activities out in the world. Amen? Oh, I better get away. I'm going to preach for a minute. Freedom from the world. I don't worry about the activities in the world no more. If you like football games, God bless you. I have that there. I went a couple times. I could feel the excitement in the air. But you know what? I, again, it's nothing negative about it. I don't, you, if you love them, go right ahead. Because I know I got football fans in here. And if I spoke bad about football teams, I'd probably lose about three or four of them. Especially LSU. I better not say nothing about the purple and gold. And Ole Miss, I see another one back there too. A new Ole Miss crew here. God bless you. If you enjoy that, go. But to me, they don't mean nothing to me anymore. I went a few times. Why? Because God just carried me to different places. I just, the world, I start losing that luster more and more. Maybe when you get older, you'll see it more. And I, but I, again, I, I'm not speaking disparagingly of that. And we have freedom from the devil. The devil is attacking so many people. Folks, the world is giving off this thought that the devil is somehow going to win what's happening right now, Satan's not going to win. Why? Because he's already been defeated at Calvary. All the freedoms you're looking for in life have been, been atoned for out of that precious blood that has flowed down from Calvary. i got to close. And freedom from self. The biggest enemy you have. We always want to blame things on the devil. Oh, it's the devil's on me. The devil's this. The devil's that. The devil's doing this. The devil's doing that. There may be some truth in that, but you know who's the biggest problems in your life? It ain't me. It ain't the church. It ain't the world out there. It ain't all the sin out in the world. The problem is you. Oh, Brother Wilson, that's just so mean. Well, God said he'd make you a new creature, a new creation in Christ, and he would give you victory over self. And if you'll let God, when God is completely done and finished, there will be something so wonderful in your life to happen. And beyond any of that, we're looking for something to happen here any day, and that's the rapture of the church. And I want to see all of y'all go with me. This is not a fairy tale. It's about to happen. We're about to see the coming of Christ. Let us get ready and be in the field, gathering the harvest. At least pray for the laborers to enter the harvest. Stand fast in the liberty that Christ died to provide. Let's uh, stand with me. Hallelujah. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, if there's one today here backslidden, I want to pray with them. We come to you in the name of Jesus asking forgiveness of our sins and for the things we've done, the way we live. We pour out our heart before you today, Lord, before your throne of grace and mercy, asking for forgiveness. And that's all we can do, Lord, and leave it there with you. And God, repent of those sins and help us every day not to go back into those things, not to habitually sin, not to let that sin nature rule and reign in our life. Father, I, I pray that you'll be with them every day and guide them, Lord, and let them know it's just a simple faith of Christ and what He's accomplished, Lord, that will give us that victory. 
Father, prepare this church for the things that are ahead. I, I keep hearing the words coming. It's, it's words of knowledge. It's prophecy, Lord, that of the things coming to this church. And I just pray we're ready and able to receive for the things you're going to pour out on us. Continue to open those doors. Continue to bless these people in ways they never imagined. We ask it all in Jesus' name, and we say amen. This brings us to the end of this message, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. Be sure to come back often for more great sermons and commercial free Christian music streamed 24 hours a day. If you need someone to pray with you, we have a prayer wall at Power of the Cross Radio website. You can leave your request there and also help others pray for their needs. We also offer live prayer periodically throughout the day as intercessors are available. Just click on the talk icon at the bottom right of any page. If someone is available, you can chat live or leave your message if no one is available. Thank you for joining us today, and may God bless you. Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries.